I'm old. Uh, when I was in high school, uh, driver's ed was still offered as part of the school day. I got all A's and B's in high school except for driver's ed. I got a C. I was told it was easy, so I didn't study for the million quizzes that we had. Also, back in those days, we had simulators, and we would do stick shift simulation. My car was constantly stalled, so I think I missed all of those points. But I did get a 98 on my driving final, so, so there, I can drive. In our first read, Adam and Eve are tested. After God forms Adam out of clay of the ground, blows into his nostrils the breath of life, Adam becomes a living being. And not just any being, but a human being with an eternal rational soul. A soul and intellect that can reason what is good and what is bad. Choosing the good would be much of a choice if it was the only possible one. So in the middle of the Garden of Eden, God put the tree of life the fruit that Adam and Eve could eat so as to live forever in the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. At this point, Adam and Eve couldn't even conceive of things like murder and lust, but then Satan comes along and tests them. I say that because in the last today's reading, we find out that Adam is standing right next to Eve as Satan is testing, as is tempting Eve. We skipped over in today's reading, but there's a part in Genesis chapter 2 that God tells Adam to guard, protect, and care for the garden. Eve didn't exist yet, so Adam has failed already just by the fact that Satan got into the garden. If Adam had been doing his job, Satan wouldn't have gotten into the garden in the first place. Plus, there is a breakdown in communication. God had told Adam not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And when Satan asks, Eve says that they aren't even supposed to touch it. So here Adam has failed again, failed to communicate God's command clearly to Eve. So already Adam and Eve have failed in uh, the game of telephone. Uh, also, uh, I'm not very good at the game telephone, that may be because I only have one ear. Uh, it also makes playing Marco Polo really awful too, so I'll get over that someday. So the failure is, so, uh, is as much, if not more, on Adam's part than on Eve's part. Satan tempts them and they fail. They fail to trust that God loves them as a divine father and wants what is best for them. Satan convinces them that God is holding back from them. Immediately things go south. They put on clothes. Why? <laughs> because the gaze of the other was no longer a gaze of love, but a gaze of lust. Clothes are necessary in a fallen world. Clothes increase the chance that we will be seen as a human person and treated with the dignity that we deserve and not treated as a body to be used. I tell engaged couples that ideally the marriage bedroom takes a couple back to the Garden of Eden before the fall. That because they know each other so well and love the other not just for their body, but for all that they are and who they are, that they see in the nakedness of the other a person to be loved and not just a body to be used and lusted after. St. Pope John Paul II made the radical statement, at least at the time, that it was possible to lust after your spouse. Every human being deserves to be treated as a person and not merely as an object for pleasure. 
In our second reading, St. Paul reminds the Romans that sin and death enter the world through one man, Adam. Death, even though it is sad and not a part of God's original plan, is a gift. Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, away from the tree of life, so they would not have to live forever in a fallen world. Instead, they would die. But God has something greater planned. Through one transgression, condemnation came upon all, so that through one righteous act, acquittal of life, acquittal in life came to all. Quote, for just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. Jesus will ultimately defeat Satan at the end of time. Jesus defeated Satan and opened the gates of heaven in his death and resurrection. However, before that, Jesus defeats Satan in his own temptation in the desert. The Gospel writer Matthew records that Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. Before the temptations ha temptation happened, Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. We imitate our Savior Jesus Christ in these 40 days of Lent. We enter into the figurative desert asking the Lord to reveal the places in our hearts that have not yet been touched by the life of Christ. At the end of 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus is hungry. So when Satan shows up, the first thing Satan tempts Jesus with is to treat himself to some food. Quote, if you are the Son of God, command that these stones become loaves of bread. Notice too, Satan says, if you are the Son of God. Jesus, Satan is making this about Jesus' identity. If you are who you think you are, prove it by changing these stones into bread for your own satisfaction. This seems to be what Satan is saying. And so often that is where G Satan attacks us. Oh, so you're not worthy to be a son or daughter of God. God can possibly love you, not after what you've done. These are the types of lies that Satan whispers into our minds. It is the same trick Satan used on Adam and Eve. Satan gets us to believe, to question, to th begin to think that God is not a loving father. Satan gets us to try to think that God is holding out on us, that God the Father doesn't want what is best for us. And the second temptation, again, Satan tests Jesus' identity. If you are the Son of God, this time Satan tempts Jesus to test God the Father. Will God the Father really come through? Does God the Father really love you and want what is best for you? Let's test God the Father and find out once and for all. Again, lies. Again, Satan just is trying to plant seeds of doubt. And in the third and final temptation, Satan tries to give Jesus the easy way out. Satan tells Jesus that he will give him all the kingdoms of the world if Jesus will prostrate and worship Satan. Now we know that Jesus is Lord and King of the world, of the universe. The, the last Sunday of ordinary time, right before Advent, we celebrate just this. We celebrate Jesus, King of the universe. Jesus obtained this role by being falsely accused, beaten, nailed to a cross, dying and rising triumphant over sin and death. So Jesus eventually obtained what Satan was promising Jesus here. It's just that Jesus first had to go through pain and suffering. Here Satan is offering all the kings of the world without having to go through the suffering and pain. 
When I was in college, I got one of those invites that if you come to this talk, you will get a free flight anywhere in the U.S. Well, I went, and the free flight had so many limitations, it was basically useless. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. All Jesus had to do was worship Satan, betray who he was as the second person of the Trinity. And he could have all the whole world without the suffering and pain of the cross. When Satan tempts you with something that seems too good to be true, it probably is. All true love requires suffering and sacrifice. On this side of heaven, this is always true. God is a loving Father. We should trust Him with our lives. Satan will try to convince us otherwise. Don't listen to his lies. Tell Satan, in the name of Jesus Christ, I renounce the lie that I am not good enough for God's love. In the name of Jesus Christ, I renounce the lie that I am unlovable. In the name of Jesus Christ, I renounce the lie that I am abandoned. In the name of Jesus Christ, I renounce whatever lie Satan seems to be telling you at that moment. God never tempts us to do evil. However, God sometimes allows Satan or one of his demons to tempt us. God always gives us the grace to pass the test, to pass the temptation. Tests are also accumulative. This means that if I pass one test, I'm better prepared to pass the next test. So don't give in to even the smallest temptations. This will allow us to resist larger temptations if we are able to say no. In our free will, choose the good. Choose to trust that God really does love us. Choose to trust that God always wills our good. I pray this week we pass the tests that come our way. However, if we do fail, God's love and mercy are always available in the sacrament of reconciliation.